What's good, family? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Focus Driven with John Hudson. Uh, today's guest is very special and dear to my heart. Before I get into introducing this young man, I want to tell everybody to please subscribe to John W. Hudson uh, YouTube channel, and you will understand what I've been doing these last few years of this podcast with Focus Driven, where we talk about faith, family, and the future. Uh, right now, I'm going to introduce you to a very high-profile gentleman, uh, nationally known. He is uh, one to me one of the one of Kansas City's best um, everyday heroes, and I'm not just saying that because I can say it, but I'm saying that because. This is last year's edition of Kansas City's finest, uh, best heroes, and we're going to talk about this young man today. I'm going to go down a list of some of the accomplishments he have, he's had. Uh, he's been seen on BET, uh, Black Entertainment Television, for his highlights for his movie, uh, This Must Be Love. He also was the Urban Media Makers Film Festival Award winner back in 2007. He also was, in 2014, Kansas City Jewish Film award winner, Trailblazer award winner. Um, I'm happy to call him friend. I'm happy to call him a brother. And honest to goodness, I'm happy to call him family because indeed, this is my first cousin, uh, Mr. The one and only Kansas City, Kansas by Kansas City, Missouri. Y'all give it up for my man, Diallo Giovanni French. What's the deal, cuz? What's going on, fam? How you doing? Dang good. What's happening? Man, listen. First of all, we did this last year, and right when right when we did this last year, speaking of the interview, COVID was on like the, at its highest peak, and we had to shut everything down. I had to like reformat, redo some stuff. So I apologize for last year's mishaps, and I'm thanking you for coming on again with me now and uh i talk to you regularly so it's not like you yeah, know so so shout out to dominic all the way in las vegas man so tell me diallo and we family so i know we know each other very well you you have been a pillar in the family me and you both have superseded some of our family traditional values and we've went beyond the normal, regular, average things of what we believe. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that with you today. I want you to kind of give your uh, your story about how you got started in film writing and in music and creating your style of photo photography. I know that's all a big, huge question, <laughs> but if you could give me a synopsis of kind of your lifestyle, how you got into this with everything that you were doing, kind of tell the listeners about about that, because you've been featured on some major national networks, man. You, people know you all across the country and people think that, you know, you just, you know, you just got it like you just got it like that, man. I'm just known I got it big and it's, it's not it's a, it's, it's a snap of a finger and I can make this happen. So tell them how how you got started and your story behind uh, the success that you've had with filmmaking and photography um, throughout your career. Oh, okay. So, so I got started. Music's really my first love. It still is. And so I started out wanting to be a musician, and but I wasn't really that great of a musician. <laughs> uh, but that's 
pretty much how most of my childhood went. As a matter of fact, Jay, I was thinking about this. I was talking to Dominic the other day, and I, I, I had almost forgotten about this. When I was 11 years old, um, you know, I, I wrote this song, and you remember the house over here in Kansas where, where you know, and so I looked on the back, I, I was like, <clears throat> at 11, I was like, this would be a great song for Lionel Richie. <laughs> and so I looked on the back of one of my mother's Lionel Richie records, and I wrote down Motown's address. Wow! And I, you know, of course, I didn't know how to read music or anything, so I like handwritten lyrics. I mailed it to Motown, and a few weeks later, I come home from school and get off the bus and open up. And it's a big package in the mailbox for Motown. Wow. Well, I, I thought I had made it. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> mama, mama, house. <laughs> so what was, what was in the package? What was in the package? It pack- was a letter, and the letter said, we don't, uh, Motown does thank you for your interest, but Motown does not accept any unsolicited material. So, of course, at 11, I had no idea what that meant. Right. But I was just so happy. To get something in like Motown letter. I took it to school and showed it to people. I know, man. I was like, Motown wrote me back. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't tell me nothing. <laughs> hey, man, believe it or not, Diallo. I almost forgot about that story. I, I, I don't know what made me think of that story. I think I was listening to like a Lionel Richie song. Yeah. And you know, I remember showing it to Dominic because it came in a big Motown package that had the Motown turn address and yeah. it had it was written on like Motown. I wish I would have kept it. Man. Man. That's amazing, bro. I've never heard you like tell me that story at all. Yeah, so I, I, I forgot about it. I mean, it, it popped into my head. And what when I think back on it, what it did was, because I was like ten or eleven, is it sort of like gave me an existence. Like it let me know that, like, at that early age, if you try to do something, you even though nothing came up, but just the fact that they wrote me back, right? Kid, right. Kansas, right. Yeah, but see Diallo. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, like to your point with with the question you asked me. So that I I was just thinking back. You know, as I approach fifty in a couple of months, I've been thinking back a lot on like my childhood. Wow. Like that, and I think back to like that might have been like one of those things. Even though I I had forgotten about it until recently, that might have been one of those turning point things. Yeah. Anyway, to answer your question, so. So I started out in music, but I was always, I always loved movies and was always a big fan of, of films and started writing, actually started writing scripts around the age of like 12 or 13, but I really didn't get really totally into film until probably like my early 20s and that's when I went out and got like a little 8mm motion picture camera and started shooting stuff and then right. I worked as a production assistant on a couple of commercials here and then I went to college in Atlanta to Clark Atlanta University, and I majored mass communications, radio, TV, film, and then I was fortunate while I was there, I started working as a production assistant on music videos, so I worked on videos for TLC, Outkast, Beauty Mob, Escape, so that was huge, um, and then just started, you know, just started writing screenplays, and then when I came back to Kansas City in the late 90s, I started working, at, in early 2000s, I started working at the Jazz Museum, and that's when I really started getting more into jazz and into Kansas City's history. And that's when the photography bug hit me and I started taking pictures. But it's all related because I think of myself as a music, a filmmaker and a music photographer. 
Yeah. You know, so you see the keyboard behind me. I don't really play this too much anymore. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, was you going to give me a little something? That, 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 no, that, that. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, listen, like you mentioned the fact that you went and you wrote that letter at, a, at an early age to Motown and segueing through your career, how you, you know, uh, met people like TLC, Goody Mob, Outkast, Escape. Um, and I remember... As a little guy, I was like 11 years old and you was like, you know, I was a teenager and you was in college and all you knew me as for was, they go, Jay, Ricky and Jay, my older brother, and, and you knew me as an athlete because I played basketball like all the time and I always knew you as like this young man who's always doing something with music and, and videos. So when they told me you was in Atlanta at the time, I was like, I know I'll see him come Christmas or whatever and we'll chop it up. But when you telling me that you at 11, you written Motown and they called you back, that just kind of like you mentioned earlier, that's the mindset that you had way at an early age yeah, for you to yeah. think about I'm doing. A yeah. Doing the bigger <laughs> things, you know, that was leading up to the times you was at Clark. And, and Spellman. And for people who don't know, Diallo uh, is a product of Kansas City, Kansas public schools as well. He uh, went to Slego, uh, yeah, his freshman year, uh, and then he transferred to, was it Van Horns or uh, South? So I uh, moved to the Missouri side, went to Southwest. Like, I went to high school with Tech Nine. Tech Nine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Yates, as I still refer yeah. to. Yeah, yes. Um, so, so the history with Diallo French and all what he has done uh, from the Kansas City side and the Kansas City, Missouri side kind of segued into what he is doing now and all the success he has had. And so I'm so glad you mentioned all those key points of the people you met and, and, and the things that you wanted to do, like with Lionel Richie. And including the music part of it too, because you still have the music gene. I mean, to give you your rights, you 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 recorded some music, and Lots you know, of music. yeah, we, yeah. Got, we like Prince. We got like Paul records that's never been released that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> so I got to give that up to you from the eighties and nineties, and you see me now. I've been I've been a musical guy for years. I just my brother was a state. Um, uh, scholarship award winner for the drums. Uh, me, yeah, my brother was an excellent drummer, and then you. So people look at me and they say, "Well, John, we knew you could play the drums, but they was like, you, you don't even know." Like I was watching you and my brother and some others back in the day that like segue into what I'm doing now. Because now people know me as the as, as a bass player, and I'm like, "Bro, I've been doing that for a while." So it's all because of my family and the history that I've had with people like you, Diallo. So, you know, congrats and thanks, man, because you're, you're helping the other younger people try to make it into the game. So, segueing from that, I want you to tell the listeners who are some of the people who you photographed and why are you doing that type of work because of the things that you've known for the for Black America and for historical purposes. Why are you photo, photography? Photography is a big well, thing to you. Well, you know, it, it started out as a hobby. So I was working at the Jazz Museum, and I, I got a little camera. So you know, my my mother, your aunt Pope, if you refer to her. God bless my auntie. In two thousand five. Yes. And so 
as she passed, you know, when you lose your mother, like, you know, I mean, I know you, have, you haven't gone through this yet, but, you know, the world kind of is just a little weird when you lose your mom. And so I felt like I needed an additional something to sort of help with the grieving process. So I was always kind of fascinated with photography. And I had, like, my, some of my own, my own personal favorite photographers. Um, and so, since music was my love, I said, well, you know, I'm always at the blue room. Let me let me buy a camera and just start taking pictures. Right. For you, for you all who do not know what the Blue Room is, that is an historical building on 18th Divine in the Kansas City, Missouri area. Yeah, jazz club. Jazz club, and it is probably one of the most the whole the whole 18th Divine area is probably one of the most historic Black African American sites in the country. Um, so go ahead, Diallo. I'm sorry I had to say that because the listeners don't know what you mean uh, by the Blue Room. <laughs> and uh, so I just started taking them as a hobby, and then Bobby, the, the, the great Bobby Watson. He saw some of my pictures, and then he said that you know you're not just taking pictures; you're you're documenting the music scene. And I was like, I didn't even really thought about it like that. Yeah. So then after he said that, so I have to say I have to give a lot of credit to Bobby Watson and to Dominic, and because Dominic was also the one that was like, dude, just keep shooting, just keep shooting. Right. And so I listened to both of them, and I kept shooting. And and as the years went on, uh, I got my. My first, like, steel, official steel camera uh, in 2006. I mean, it was actually a film camera. That's how long ago it was. Like, it was still on film. And I just kept shooting. And so, I, it, to me, it means more than just taking pictures. It's like, like Bobby said, sort of like capturing really our black music culture, in a sense. Right. Um, and, and in terms of, and so I've been fortunate that I've had the opportunity to, to, to photograph concerts here in town, like I photographed Janelle Monae concerts twice, uh, Randy, Layla Hathaway, Mal Rogers, Sheila E. Um, and I gotta say, the late well, she she she's she's both of our queens of our heart, Miss Lisa Henry. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa Henry, Bobby <laughs> Watson, yeah. uh, the late great Roy Hargrove. Uh, um, I mean, I mean, there's, there's too many. I mean, I, there's probably folks I forgot. Even Al Jarreau before he died, I got yeah. to, to shoot some photographs of him. So, so it's great. So I've been doing it for uh, about 15 years now, and so I've developed a nice little archive of a couple of thousand photographs of different musicians. Uh, my medium is is black and white primarily. Excuse me, because I feel like black and white is timeless. Yeah. So, uh, for sure. So yeah, so that's become like another part that I've added to the filmmaking piece, you know. Yeah, so so let's go into film real quick. I know uh last time we chatted you was working on a project for another film, but also too, you've already done a few films already. Uh, I remember the film that you got, This Must Be Love, that was featured on uh BET a few years ago. And tell the listeners a little bit about that film and like how that was created and what what that film means to you personally. Yeah, so it's, it's called it's called May This Be Love. Oh, May This so, Be Love. So May This Be Love. The title comes from an old Jimi Hendrix song uh, on one of his albums called May This Be Love. It was also remade by Michelle Degaicello. Like um, this has been almost twenty years ago now, uh, probably longer than twenty years ago. Um, and so it's a short film that we did. It's really, it's a, a love story that's a narrative uh, to a poem that was written by Glenn North. And uh, we used, the, the music we used, Robert Glasper. 
and which was great because with Robert Glasper, like when I first did it, he, he, he did a show up in Columbia, Missouri, and I drove up and I gave him a DVD copy of it. That's how long ago it was. And he loved it. And me and him have actually been cool. Like whenever he's in town, I take him to Gates. Right. And, uh, when I've been in New York, I hit him up. So that's a cool. You know, he's he's done. Oh man, he's won Grammys. Yeah, he won Grammys. If y'all don't know the keys, he's probably one of the coldest key players of our generation. The one and only. Yeah, yeah for sure. Robert Glasper. Yes. Our, he's our Thelonious Monk. Yeah. Sure, so so anyway, um, so I entered into a bunch of film festivals, and he got into a bunch of film festivals, and even won a film festival. And uh, one of the guys, I think he was out of L.A. In one of the film festivals, he contacted me and said, hey, I'm about to start working at BET. Um, and we're about to do this show called Lens on Talent. And it's going to be hosted by Sanaa Lathan. And it's going to spotlight short films by African-American directors. And he was like, I really liked your film. Do I have your permission to show it? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sanaa Lathan. Right, Sanaa, the queen. Right. <laughs> I was always I was like, so do I get the meat, right? <laughs> like, no, that's not how it's going down. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's dope. So that's how that came about. It just happened to be a guy that had seen my film in a right. film festival, I think, in L.A. or somewhere, uh, who who recommended it. Because so I didn't have to like submit it or anything. He he was one of the producers of the show. Wow. So he just like submitted it, and it's. It's a great feeling to turn on the TV and Samaya Lathan is saying your name. That's a great feeling. Man. So, national TV. For sure. So, so that's how that that's how that came about with the Vegas Speed Cool. Well, listen, I I wanna segue uh and because we both know Sanaya Lathan, the, the the queen herself, been featured on so many movies, and she did, you know she said your name on the on the show. But I'm gonna backtrack and go into Kansas City Zone. Who actually said the uh, poem in "May May This Be Love"? Or is it is it "May This Be Love" or "This Must yeah, Be"? Right. Okay, "May right. This Be Love," and that's the one and only Glenn North, um, yeah. who actually spoke it out. Shout out to Glenn, Kansas City uh, uh, representative as well. And I'm gonna try to get him on the show because uh, his talent is superb. Uh, He's a beast. He's a beast. Oh my God! Talk. Talk about poem, poetry to his finest and talk about black excellence in that way uh, through words and poetry. Glenn North, by all means, sets the standard for, for greatness on that. So shout out to you, Glenn. And uh, I'm looking for you, buddy. I'm coming. We just talked a few weeks ago. I seen him uh, at, 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 at something and I'm going to get him back on. So but uh, so Diallo, it's a lot of young people out there who are seeing music videos. Um, as you already know, this generation is more prone now to watching anything on their cell phone, on their computer than watching stuff on TV. Um, I think this generation is ready or is more, um, more, what's the word I want to use? More acceptable to understanding that if they want to be in film or video or music making, that they have to set themselves higher than the rest, uh, to do that. You've been featured on national level programmings. You've had awards, things like that. What would you tell a young person who was trying to get into film directing or movie production or even photography uh, ventures? What would you tell them in regards to uh, making that as a career? 
Um, because people think that, like I said earlier, I mean, if you got the juice, you got it. You're going to be a millionaire by tomorrow and you can just deposit that money in the account and you made it. Whew. Like they think that it's just, you know, an easy thing to do. But tell the viewers or the listeners who are really wanting to make this a career, the, the, the struggles and even some of the successes of trying to venture out in that in that career base. Anything that's arts related is always going to be difficult because there's not always a lot of, of money in it. Um, and uh, there's so many people doing it. And, and in today's age, the technology is like a positive and a negative. It's positive because anybody can put some content out there now via social media, YouTube, or whatever. Uh, but then the negative is the same thing. Anybody can put stuff out, so if the market's flooded with stuff, it's like how do you separate yourself known amongst millions of other people doing what you're doing? Um, you know, the only thing I would tell people about going into film, because you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm not, I haven't won Oscars, I'm not living in a big house in Lakewood, so <laughs> you know, I can't speak to like. The only thing I would tell people is to like, you know. If, if you go, if you're going into film or photography or anything artistic, is to express, like, speak from your heart in terms of what you, in terms of what you do. Like, tip, like your, you think of it in religious terms. Like when I write a screenplay, uh, or even if I'm taking a picture, I think of it as my testimony. Mm. You know, even though stuff that I do is not a religious content, right. it's my testimony because it's my life. I don't write any screenplay that's not loosely based off of something that I've personally experienced. So right. it's my life, it's my testimony, or it's my view or worldly view on a particular on a particular topic. Uh, the same thing with the music. Like, uh, you know, I like if I I tend to like if I go if I go hear some jazz and I have my camera and I'm not feeling what the musicians are doing, I won't take my camera out. It's this weird kind of vibe, like, where I have to kind of, like, be feeling what the musicians are doing before I feel like I want to photograph them. I know it sounds weird. Because nah. when you look at a photograph, you can't hear what the musicians right. are doing. <laughs> but that's just kind of, like, this weird thing that I do. But it's, like, it's for me, I call it capturing honest musical moments. Ah, so, yes. Because, like, they're not posing for the pictures. Right. What they do, and I'm just capturing it with my camera. So um, that's what kind of makes. But I would say, just uh, you know, speak from the heart, and then and, and realize too, like make it more, especially younger people, make it more about just trying to do something that looks that looks cool or that you think is cool. And like one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of the current music is like they're not really saying anything, and then musically. They're not being very adventurous. Everybody's using auto tune. Everybody's using the same keyboard sounds, the same drum patterns. Right. And so, as a person that loves music and listens to all types of music, I can't get with like the, this sort of <laughs> assembly line music that we hear on the radio. Right. So, right. I would say, like, just try to be. That's why I have a lot of respect for like two people that are Kansas City, Tech Nine and Janelle Monae. Because both of them are different 
Yeah. Out there, and I give them a lot of credit for that. And it just so happens they're both from, from Kansas, Kansas City. So, you know, I give them a lot of credit for that. Well, I'm going to take it a little bit further. I know you mentioned Tech9 and Janelle Monet, who we both are very familiar with. They're both from Kansas City. But the one person who I'm great to mention is a good friend of mine, and you know him as well. And then the, the other person who I'm going to mention, he's from KCK and he's won Grammys as well. And that person from KCK who's won multiple Grammys is Norman Brown. Um, who, you know, Grammy nominated uh, jazz guru, lead guitar, and without a doubt, to me, he's one of the best lead guitar players that I've ever heard. Um, and then segueing from that goes into uh, a young man who you took in pictures for in his concerts and and things like that, and that's uh, Julian Vaughn. Um, who has been on top 10 billboards for the last, oh man, four or five years now, not longer. Um, and it's funny because when I mention artists and music and the talents that they portray, people forget that they need other individuals to help promote their gifts, like with photography, like with video. So this could be a very lucrative way of making a living and like you mentioned earlier, how you set yourself apart from others on how you do your job from a film or photography standpoint can set you higher or give you a, a level of status that can bring positive rewards if you do it correctly. So uh, all the young viewers that's listening in to Diallo, he's he's done it um, and he's done it from the heart. He hasn't done it for necessarily fame and fortune. I think that comes along with it as you develop your passion. But Diallo, to me, is one of those individuals who does everything from the heart. And, uh, you know, you should listen in and try to mimic just those tips that he, he told you. You know, don't try to be like everybody else and try to self set yourself apart from that. Um, I want to jump into more photography. I wrote a book called Ignored and Ignited in 2008, uh, which kind of highlighted my life of playing basketball and uh, growing up in Wyandotte County. And my cousin, I think I mentioned you in there, but you actually did the front cover of that book. And I don't even, I, I got it, but I, I should take a moment of pause to grab it, but I didn't think of it. Uh, but I want, I don't even know if you remember, in 2008, do you remember us taking that shot and where we took that shot at? Yeah, we did it at my apartment, I remember, yeah. Yeah, so the reason... I almost forgot, I did do that picture. <laughs> that, was, that was so that's long ago. So, I got to get up and try to find it real quick. I know this is kind of hood doing it like this, but I don't care uh, if I can find it because I know... I know it's in here somewhere, and this is like, I feel like you should play the Jeopardy music, you know. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. I cannot. Man, this is going to make me so upset that I can't find it. But here's the thing. Uh, you've done so many great works in that way that it just lets me further know. Ah, here it is right here. It just lets people further know that when you have a gift, and when you know somebody who has got a passion for it, you might want to latch on to them because it, it, it might help you uh, get to where you want to be. Here's the actual cover right here. Ignored and ignited the hoops of life. And it was a black and white photo, and we took this in your apartment in 2006. Man, 
That's going back. And I share my story. People people don't know, and you know this. I played with some of the greatest in the game. Uh, and you was right there with me. You know what I mean? It's like, they got my little cousin out there doing this thing. But uh, I got a lot of flack uh, for playing basketball because I was trying to go to school as well and, and do some other things. So um, I, if I didn't tell you, I want to say thank you for, for this because I've gotten a few awards. <laughs> And on the back, you know, all this and that. So um, it just goes to show you how long you've been in the game and how long you've been doing this. Because 2008, man, how long is this? Almost, that's almost been, what, 15 years? Almost, almost. Yes, 13 years. Yeah, so it's good to have family that know what the heck they're doing in photography. <laughs> what I'm ready to say. So, Diallo, what's next? Tell the viewers about what's going on and what's next and what you got uh, planned for the upcoming uh, career uh, venture for you. Uh, so, right now, uh, so I'm part of the African American Artists Collective. And uh, it's a collective of black artists who all have some kind of relation to Kansas City. And we have this really historical uh, exhibition at the Nelson Atkins Museum right now. It's called Testimony, the African American Artist Collective. Wow. Um, it's up until uh, March of next year, so there's plenty of time to go check it out. It's free. I think you have to get your, reserve your ticket online because of COVID, but uh, it's interest to the Nelson is free. And it's, it's 34, 35 of us. Uh, so it's, I have, so we only have one piece in the exhibition of the 35 of us. So I have a photograph there, uh, painters, uh, I don't know if you know Michael Brantley. He's a brilliant yep. painter that's from Kansas City. From Kansas City, Kansas, uh, yep. Tunes, uh, textiles, photography, sculpture. Ed Dwight, he's from Kansas City, Kansas. He's a sculptor. Wow. He's a sculptor. He's got a piece in the exhibit. So, that, so go check that out. That's uh, happening right now. It's, 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 it opened up uh, last month. And then I'm working on actually two film projects right now. So I'm working on a documentary about uh, Kansas City's music history, which will feature a lot of my photographs. So it's also kind of about my journey as a photographer, music photographer. And then the other one is a script that I wrote uh, several years ago that I've been wanting to dying to make for, because I wrote the script like 15 years ago. And I'm finally making some leeway uh, in terms of getting that film funded. So that's sort of in pre-production right now. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's between that and then still working a day job. I mean, that's uh, right. taking up all my time. So my, my schedule's pretty full right now. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you got all these things coming up. If you guys uh, want to follow uh, Diallo Giovanni French, where could they reach you at if they wanted to contact you for any reason or purpose? Uh, so my website is just it's, it's GiovanniFilms.com. So my middle it's my middle name is so it's J A B as a Victor O N N E Films.com GiovanniFilms.com. And then if you Google my full name Diallo Giovanni French, uh, it'll take you to Wikipedia, IMDb, my website, Instagram, Facebook. I don't really tweet very much, but I do have a Twitter account. Right. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram more than anything else. Um, but yeah, it'll take you to, you know. That's dope. Anytime you make it on Wikipedia, y'all, you made it. I mean, you were publicly 
about that. <laughs> well, you got a Wikipedia. You you Google somebody's name and you on Wikipedia it shows you what they done and who they are. Man, that's that's phenomenal. I Google. You can Google my name and you'll see all that. But I ain't on Wikipedia yet. You know what I'm saying? So you got me beat on that because one day I'll get there. One day I'll get there. Um, last but not least. Last year, I, I told everybody the 2020 of July, it's 2021 now of July, you was featured on In Kansas City front cover with this right here. Tell the viewers about how this happened and what this means to you as an artist, as an African-American uh, film uh, director, and as a photographer who has done what you have done for over 25 years. Uh, I mean, it, it, it meant something. I, I kind of had mixed feelings about it because they, this was this was right when all the protests was going on and and George Floyd had just happened, and so I feel like part of me feels like they kind of used me as their Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah, and that's why they put me on the cover. Right. Um, so I had mixed feelings because she really didn't ask me a whole lot about my filmmaking or my photography. She asked me about what it means to be black in Kansas City, my upbringing, like racial incidents that happened throughout my life. I mean, you know, I, I kept it real. Right. And it was very honest and transparent with her. Right. Um, but, you know, beyond that, you know, I mean, it, it, it was an, you know, I'm a behind-the-camera guy, so it's kind of, you know, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a real flashy type of dude. So, right. um, so it was kind of weird. Like, people would be texting me and inboxing me on Facebook. I just saw you in the grocery store on the rack. You know, so. <laughs> right. That was kind of weird, you know. Not, you know, so, um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, aside from that, I mean, they thought enough to put me on the cover, even even though it, they may have had an ulterior motive or whatever, but, um, right. but you know, it, it got me, you know, um, the film, I'm, the documentary I'm working on now, um, I interviewed Olita Adams uh, back in May. The great. And I, I, I had met her before because I'd taken pictures of her before. Mm. And so, but I hadn't seen her in like a year. And so when I saw her, she said, you know, Diallo, I really wanted to call you when I saw the magazine cover until you did such a great job, you know. And and I, so I said, you know, Miss Olita, I really appreciate that, but I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I feel like part of me feels like they kind of used me or whatever. And, right. And she was like, no, no, you, you told it like it is. You did a good job. And she's like, I know what it's like when reporters have an ulterior motive. I've been there. But you, 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 kept, you kept it real. You told the real story. Right. You told your experience. You gave your testimony. So that made me feel good about what you did. Not, not just because she said, but I mean, just, you know, it just made me feel like, a, l- a little bit better. I still have mixed feelings. I know you do. I know you do. But it, but it made me feel a, a, a little better about it uh, coming from someone of, of her of, of her of her magnitude. So yeah, it actually says the Giovanni friend talks about his photography and films documenting Kansas City music scene growing up in Kansas City and the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Said, Y'all talks about the Black Lives Movement because <laughs> you said they didn't have nothing to do with the music scenes and growing up in Kansas City. I think there's like maybe a, two senses in there about like, you know, my film and photography. But, you know, but, you know, I, I mean, like I said, I, I have no, you know, I have no beef with them. And right. They've had me, me in art. They've had me in that magazine like three times now, actually. Oh, okay. Nice. So, sweet. So it yeah. is what it is. But, um, 
you know, I just hope that my honesty about my experience being black in Kansas City in some way helped. Right. Know? Well, I mean, particularly somebody white that read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put it to you this way, man. I, I appreciate you, not just because I'm family, man, but because of what all you've done throughout the Kansas City uh, area uh, for the last 25 or so years, man. You don't have to do what you do. They don't pay you enough money to uh, document, you know, film and, and photography, black uh, media and black culture like you do. Um, to me, that's priceless. And the way that you've done it, the way that you presented yourself, you've always been classy. You've always been professional. Uh, this is why I, I love the fact that you family, like blood family, because we we always want to present ourselves with a great impression of with class and a touch of of um, professionalism, you know. So I appreciate you, man. And I just thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate you, cuz. Yeah, cuz this, I mean, we could have talked about anything in the world, but we talked about you and all the things that you have done. So I could have mentioned, like, back in the day, how you had a jerry curl and <laughs> we all was downstairs with grandma and watching the Cosby show and all those things, but I didn't go there. I, I do want to say this before I let you go. I, I always try to have play a little game with my guests that, as they come. I didn't do this. Uh, with Alvin Brooks because he's a little bit older and I probably should have, but I'm going to ask you, out of all the sitcoms in the world that you have seen, what is your favorite sitcom of all time? And this, this is probably going to be controversial now, but it is still The Cosby Show. And nah, it ain't controversial. Not controversial. Uh, I mean, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people feel a certain kind of way about Bill Cosby now. Right. But you can't negate what his show meant and what his show meant in terms of showing black love and terms of ex exposing us to black art. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, he had Dizzy Gillespie on his show. Bruh. He had Tito Puente on his show. He had B.B. King on his show. And then, and then showing white America that all of us don't live in the hood. We, are, we don't all come from the projects that a lot of us are educated. But for me, the show, what it meant growing up watching it is like the, the two things that stand out to me is the black love piece, the way him and his wife, yeah, man, the kind of relationship they had, the way they related to each other, and then just the culture that rather because, like, remember that art piece that, yeah, man, the auction and then the jazz, and yeah, because his character, just like Bill in real life, is a, is a huge jazz fan, so everything that's happened. With this court case, whether you like it or not, it or not, or, or whether you think Bill is a jerk or not, you can't negate what that show brought into the universe. And so, right. that still, despite everything, is my favorite sitcom of all time. That is dope. Um, for you all who know, like when I do this, my generation, and you a little older than me, they always say Martin. Martin is yeah. like. Every time I ask, like, man, Martin did it. And the reason why people like Martin so much is because during that time in the mid-90s or in the, in the early 90s, he brought a side of black love from a comedy standpoint that still kind of resonates to this day. 
Um, he was one of the first ones that brung out like living as an African-American male, uh, single, and then having a relationship with an African-American female and incorporating friends that we all can relate to in black America. And uh, Martin was a genius in his own right, just as well as Bill Cosby was. It's funny, Martin kind of mimicked, and he said this in one of his interviews, his favorite person that he loved or the favorite sitcom that he loved growing up was um, The Jeffersons. And he loved that. A lot of people don't know Martin Lawrence is from Germany. You know, he was born and raised in Germany. He's not from the States. Uh, His mom and dad was military and he was born in Germany. And he used to watch those shows from there. But when he got to America, he really doved into uh, the Jeffersons. And then when I hear you talking about the Cosby show, it's like I remember us going over grandma's and like sitting down and literally after we ate Thanksgiving dinner, because Thanksgiving came on Thursdays. <laughs> Come on Thursdays. We was like, grandma was like, shut up, move, get out of the way. Here comes the Cosby show. And then after that, you know, it segued into a lot of other opportunities like Different World and, uh, you know, things with Malcolm Jamal and Warner, where it was Malcolm and Jamal. And then you had other spinoffs from the show. A lot of people don't even know. Uh, and, and, you know, Bill Cosby to me is a living, living legend. I don't, I, I'm, I'm like you. I know it's going to be a lot of controversy for that, but that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And still, Bill Cosby is one of my favorite all time uh, motivators for me. I looked up to him as, as, as a kid. You know, Fred Dexter would not be created it's without Fred. Controversial topic, that's for sure. He, he is now. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they they can't. They had a lot of signs. Free bill, free bill. Where well, he's free now, so uh, he, he he's out there doing his thing. So anyway, I'm gonna let you go, Diallo. Um, for all the listeners out there, you can always contact me on johnwhudson.org. Uh, or even go on YouTube and look up Focus Driven with John Hudson. Please subscribe to my channel. I'm always highlighting urban inspiration, whether it be from Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas, or abroad. I think my next guest that we're going to have on here, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you. We're just going to have to find out and watch and find out who it's going to be because it's always somebody special. Uh, Diallo, stay on the line. But for everybody else who is listening, uh, God bless you. Thanks again for uh, tuning in with Focus Driven with John Hudson where we highlight faith, family, and the future. Peace. God bless.